0: This is Jacqueline Kitsman, the dumbass who just spoke for about 25 minutes before she realized that she wasn't recording at all. I hate everything. <laughs> um, okay, that's okay, because I was actually at some point thinking to myself during the recording of that, wow, I could have been way more concise. So anyway, that was the universe's way of saying, yeah, you absolutely could have been more concise. So let's do this more eloquently, eloquently. El- uh, yeah, I said it right the first time. Shall we? <laughs> this is a good. This is a good start. Ah, uh, okay. So one, if you are wondering, wow, I haven't heard from Jacqueline lately. If I've, if you've messaged me, or hey, like Patreon hasn't been updated this week. Well, here's why. My child took a chunk out of my eyeball. It was an accident. It was a freak accident. We went through a whole thing. If you're on my Instagram, you probably already know the story. Um, Evie accidentally took a chunk out of my eyeball from the tear duct over the top, essentially to the middle part of my eye on the top above the iris and cornea. Um, I'm fine, but it hurt a whole lot. And, you know, I'm seeing an optometrist. This will be a year long recovery process, making sure that my tissue grows back correctly without scarring, or I don't get any kind of corneal ulcer, which could affect my vision permanently. I mean, it's not terrible, but things are really blurry. And I used, I had 20, 20 vision prior to the gutting of my eyeball. So we'll see how that goes. So I'm trying to get everything. I'm trying to catch up on Patreon. I'm trying to catch up on messages, but my in-laws have also been in town this weekend. So things have been a little bit scattered and I've been trying to heal. So all of that being said, um, I also spent like 55 minutes today (laughs) unnecessarily and even now funnier considering I just spent 30 minutes talking to an empty room you know, I went through all of the cards that we have yet to go over and we still have like 15 or 16 cards that we haven't gone over yet, which is super great. I don't know how to use Excel. Please don't teach me. Please don't offer to teach me. I will never learn to use Excel and I don't want to have to buy Excel on my computer. So what I do to see if I have covered a card is I go to the list of episodes on the um, server I use to upload the podcast. And then I scroll through all of the episodes, like what, like 83 episodes now that I've done. And I I match the card that I'm looking at to the cards I've talked about. And I scroll through. And anyway, that's how I did that. It took me about an hour. And um, I am, if nothing else, really good at figuring out how to waste my own time. <laughs> so I did that. But it's really exciting. So we have like 15 or 16 cards to go over before uh, we move on to the next phase of me teaching Tarot, which I'll go over at a later date. But yes, I do have a plan for what we will do once we have covered every card in this deck. Do not Do not fret. Um, As far as current events go, um, we still have a war happening in Ukraine and Russia. And like I have already, as I have already stated, we need to pay attention to that because one, people are dying. Two, Ukraine has a lot of NATO countries that border it. And Russia has already accidentally launched missiles into Poland, killing two Polish people. That triggered Article 4 and Article Four just means that now all NATO countries are on alert, watching to see what's going to happen over there. And Article Five means that we would all enter the war. That has not been triggered. As as far as I know, that is not even being that's not even a discussion point right now. I'm just saying like this is if if people dying in, in Eastern Europe isn't enough of a reason to care, then absolutely like it could affect you here. So if nothing else, there's that. Um last week I talked about what was happening in Iran. Of course, we've been discussing this and CNN had gotten news from the Iranian government that they have decided to disband the morality of police. I said I didn't know how accurate that was because while CNN is a news source, the Iranian government is a dictatorship and can't always be trusted. Well, I decided that I was going to keep looking on TikTok, which is where Iranian advocates and people from Iran are posting some of their content. So I've been looking for voices from Iran or for people advocating for people in Iran. And essentially what it's saying is that the morality police is not ruled by the judiciary system in Iran. It's a completely separate thing that has been set up. So they cannot disband the morality police because they're not a part of the judiciary system. They're a whole separate thing. So not only is that the case, it was kind of Iran's way of getting the Western world to kind of turn away. Like, okay, yeah, like it's been disbanded, but like, that's not a thing. Now I am no expert on foreign policy. So I also could not have the details of that correct. What I do know, because I have been actively reaching and out for sources from Iran and trying to seek out voices and hear what's going on, is that they have started executing people. Um, their crimes are um, essentially, they're called like war against God, which essentially just means protesting. Three men were executed this week. Within 48 hours, they had a sham trial where they were found guilty for, again, war against God and then they were hung till death. What advocates from Iran and advocates for Iran are asking is for us to actively seek out their information, say the names of people who are in prison. They're getting us those lists very slowly as they can. Obviously, it's not easy. And asking us to interact with that contact by liking, sharing, reposting, telling their stories, saying their names, Um Because essentially, the more we can talk about those people and keep our attention on them, the less likely they are to get executed because everybody is watching that. What they don't want to do is make the rest of the world so worried about what's happening in Iran that we actually do something about it. And the only way that any of our governments can actually do something about it is if we're all paying attention. Now, again, the problem, and this is a specific problem for the Western world, is that we get news fatigue and we just stop caring. But I'm urging you to, this is something to care about. The way that I read tarot, the way I teach it, and the way that I encourage people to read tarot, especially if you're doing any kind of collective readings, like online in any capacity, is that if you don't know what's going on collectively in the collective energy of the world, you're not going to get a good read on collective energy, even if you're just like, I'm specifically only reading for the collective energy of my hometown. Well, okay, but like, you don't think those people, like like people are chains. It's they're all chains. They all relate to another person who relates to a person who relates to a person who relates to a person. Like that's kind of the beauty of energy is that it is kind of collective. So if you're working in any capacity with the collective energy, the current events and what's happening in the world is going to be important for you to be able to even understand how cards are coming up for you. And so I get the news fatigue, but also if you're trying to read tarot and you're trying to read tarot accurately, this is why I do this. Okay, because it is going to inform how we teach tarot, how we talk about tarot, and even how we read tarot. Even though we don't live in U I don't live in Ukraine, Russia, Iran, or any of the places being affected by some of the more tragic aspects of humanity. All of that being said, let's push on to talk about the card we're talking about this week, which is death. Could have sworn we talked about this and we did a little bit early on in the podcast. Gabe and I talked about the Knight of Cups and we talked about the Death card, but um so we'll tap we'll tap a little bit on the Knight of Cups again and if you haven't listened to that episode, you can go back and listen to it, but I'll I'll touch a little bit on why that that card is important and comes up. But we also have another card that needs to be talked about. Um to start off, let's talk about the sim symbological sim Im, imagerical. that's all fake words I just made up to you right now. Let's talk about the symbology on this card. So first and foremost at the front of the card is, uh, death is card 13 in the major arcana. It is in the death line. It's the penultimate card of the death line because as we know the death line doesn't end in death, it ends in temperance. Um, But death, the death card is card 13. 13 is a very significant number specifically in like, um, in paganism because 13 was almost like a holy number. It was a number that talked about transformation in power and very much lined up with kind of the death, the idea about death in general. Now, I'm not talking about literal death, but this idea of transformation and the importance that the concept of death has. It's actually a very powerful number. And it's a, it's a number that witches use to kind of um, invoke certain power. And so what happened is that Christianity kind of took over and like really demonized this number. Uh, it became an unlucky number Friday the 13th. Don't put that in a hotel. Like, you know, all of those different things. Trick us something. Phobia is, uh, I probably also butchered. I obviously did butcher that word, but uh, that's also the fear of the number 13. So we have really kind of invoked this fear of the number 13, this fear of death. It all relates. And again, Pamela Coleman Smith, just a genius overall. Um. Let's talk about the symbols on this card. So first and foremost, you have a white, very pale, not just white, but pale looking horse with red eyes. Um, The reins on this horse have little skull and X's, skull and crosses on them. You've got the rider of this horse is in black armor. Um, They have a little like red plume that literally looks wilted hanging off their head and inside the armor. Yes, it's a skeleton. It is literally the Grim Reaper. They are holding up a flag. It's a black flag and it's got a white rose on it. So the really interesting thing is that if you live in America, we wear black to funerals. But if you live in many other any other culture or a lot of other cultures, white is the symbolic color of death. So in the Western world, specifically America, we wear black to kind of grieve and mourn and other places, it's actually white. So that's kind of like the play, the inter- Uh, play here of black and white being on the death card and the flower on the flag that the skeleton is holding that death is holding is a white rose now white roses are very often given at funerals as a it's a flower of mourning and of I'm sorry and of expressing love for a person who has passed okay so there's a lot of meaning in that underneath the horse's feet as the horse trots there's a king dead under the horse his crown has fallen off next to him There's a child on their knees. Behind the child is a person who we will talk about because they have a lot of significance. They are on their knees in a white gown with a flower crown, their eyes closed, exposing their neck. They are not dead, but they are exposing and bearing their neck to death as if waiting very peacefully. And not on their knees, on their feet, hands clasped, either praying or begging, is a priest. So the symbology here, like the most obvious, is death, it comes for us all. It comes for us who are kings. It comes for children. It comes for priests. And it comes for it comes for just people. Um, you can beg for death not to take you. Death is still going to do it. Death is its absolute own being. You cannot stop that contraction. Now, in the background, you have a boat sailing in the water. The sun is rising. And the meaningful of that is that life and death coexist. Life still goes on after death. Anybody who has lost anyone they love knows that when your world stops, when you lose someone that you love, your world stops, it feels shattered, but, and, and then people are there with you and people are grieving with you, but then life slowly starts to move on. The sun still rises and people still go out sailing and go fishing and do their jobs and you're still living in that grief. Life goes on and that's a really hard thing to to grapple with. Um and it's part of the scary part of I think death in general. Um life is still moving on because you cannot have life without death and you cannot live without dying. We in we we talked about on the justice card that we all deserve death. Every single one of us deserves death, not because we are sinners or bad or terrible people or whatever else. It's literally, we deserve to die because we are alive. Because we live, we also deserve to die. We will die. Anything that's alive will die. It's just part of the process. In fact, there is a creator, and I promise you that this all ties in on TikTok. She's a hospice nurse. And what she does is people will give her things to help educate the public on what death is. Because we, specifically in the Western world, have a very jarring relationship to the concept of death we have a very jarring relationship to dying in general we don't we actively turn our faces away from from death um we actively refuse to look at it or acknowledge it we fear it and there's a lot of reason for that one it's instinctual we we you know people don't go out seeking death we it's our bodies and our in our i shouldn't say people don't go out seeking death some people do and it is a very tragic thing so i didn't i didn't mean to be so flippant about that excuse me um, death is supposed to be jarring to us because as humans part of that instinct ideally would be to prevent death to live as long as possible if you're looking at it just from like an evolutionary natural selection standpoint You want to push death off as long as you can. But the other part of it is that we have, we part of our fear of death is that it is so unknown. We don't know how it happens. And I had a huge fear of death and dying and what that would look like for me. And I was, so I was watching this video by this hospice nurse and what she does is she reminds us that death is a a natural death, with death in hospice at an elderly age, like showing us what it looks like as the body prepares itself to die. Because the act of dying is a, as, a, as natural of a process as us living. We have this fear that dying is painful or scary to the person who is dying. And like it's just not true because we are biologically, if we are designed to live, we are also biologically designed to die. And that little fact clicked into my head and I was like, yeah, of course, our bodies know how to die, specifically of old age. I want to just say that there, like our bodies know how to shut itself down without pain and without fear. Like there's a process. It's a step by step routine that the hospice nurse breaks down. In fact, I was talking to my aunt about this. My Nana recently passed and we were talking about how my Nana passed through these exact steps of dying. And how because my aunt had been properly prepared to see these steps, that's how she knew it was my Nana's, my Nana was approaching this time. Now, fun fact about my Nana is that, and I promise you, I don't mean for this episode to be long. It's just, this is a very heavy, meaty card. So fun fact about my Nana is that my Nana was a very spiritual person. And she saw, you know, like, I, I think I've mentioned before, I see spirits. I, it's not something that I... Do in any kind of professional basis. So please do not ask me to do anything medium-ish for you. But my nana also saw saw spirits and she saw what she believed were angels. Now I have a complicated feeling about that, but let's talk about this first for a second. My Nana in her early 30s talks about how she had this almost like an astral projection, a dream. She called it a very real dream, but she said it was not a dream. And it was that she was outside standing on the curb with her suitcases and she was waiting for something. And this carriage pulled by a white horse and two people driving the carriage were rolling down the street and my Nana was trying to flag them down. Now, my Nana had a lot of she had a very traumatic childhood filled with a lot of abuse. I won't go into it, but she was waving down this carriage and the carriage slowed and they looked at my Nana. My Nana was getting her suitcases, getting ready to put it in this old like chariot. Right. And the people driving it looked at her and said, "Not, not now, Lynn. not now, Lynn. Her name was Lynn. We'll be back for you someday." And they waved, and my nana said that it was just like a very warm, very friendly type of wave, and they just said, "Nope, it's not your time. It's not time to go." And they went on, and my nana said that she would always know it was her time when she saw that carriage, that chariot coming back for her. and she did. As um, she passed away, she did. She talked about it. And that was a really beautiful thing. And she was not afraid. She was not afraid of death because she knew how warm and not warm and welcoming death was, but the after that. Um, and so I, I think because of that, have a very interesting and I, you know, also like this whole the whole seeing Spirits thing, have a very interesting uh, thought, like. I have a very interesting relationship with the concept of death because I'm not afraid of the after. I've never been afraid or worried about the what happens after death is their life after death. Like I've I've had that a lot of peace with that, but just the how it happens. And I think that that is where so many of us get hung up the, the terror of death. Now, one, let's pause here and just say that the death card in tarot does not mean literal death. Death. Okay. So everything I've just said, we're talking about death as an archetype. We're talking about it as an archetype. Now let's get into the meat of the death card with that understanding. I have pulled the death card over a thousand times. Probably more since I've gotten tarot. I'm just a person who learns a lot of lessons and has a lot of endings. Okay. Uh I have not yet died. I have not yet died. I have pulled the card a lot. Now and I have also pulled this card a thousand times and no one around me has kicked it. The death card does not literally mean, boo, you're dead. The death card at its core is an ending. It is a, it is a, it is a, and I shouldn't even say ending. Let me, let me rephrase. It is a contraction. And it is not only a contraction like in the fives, it is the deepest contraction one can experience. It is Curling up, falling to your knees, greeting death. We talked about. I think I talked about this a little bit with Sarah Jane, uh, two episodes ago. It is curling in to your smallest, sleepiest form. It is as deep and closed up into the spiral as you can get. It is complete sensory um, deprivation. No sight. No smell. No sound. Nothing but it is not scary. It is a contraction of absolutely being at the mercy of whatever's happening around you, but you are not afraid of it because the biggest contraction to expansion, expansion we experience in the tarot as a whole is death to temperance, is death to rebirth. And I say this a lot, but we, when we are in a contraction, we fear it because they're so uncomfortable. But how the expansion that you have, that you are going to get as equal to the contraction you are experiencing. So if you, listen, if you are going through a contraction and I'll just say, I'm just going to pull this situation out of a hat. Like, okay. Like let's say your toddler scoops a chunk of your eye out. Okay. That's, and then you have to like, and you may lose, you know, like you may lose eyesight in that eye, not eyesight, but you may not see out of that eye as you did before. Uh, well, I'm kind of at the mercy of that situation. That's a contraction. That's a big contraction. That's a big contraction for me. That's a that's pretty big. And I'm curling in, and I'm curling in, and I'm kind of at the mercy of the situation. There's not a whole bunch I can do other than take care of my eye, right? And that fear, I I could sit here and wallow in the fear, or I could just be like, yeah, that's scary, and then laugh about it, because essentially I'm at the mercy of the situation. I'm at the mercy of. The fact that my eye is an eyeball and it had it, and it it experienced a trauma, and that's just how it is. So now I have to be at the mercy of something recovering. and I could sit there and cry and wail and barter and beg, But at the end of the day, like, I'm just kind of on my knees at the mercy of what's happening. and I'm doing that, and I can do that because. I know that my expansion, whatever comes after this, is going to be equal to the contraction of it. Maybe you feel shut down, closed off, incapable, scared, like nothing you do is working and like you can't make your brain work normally and you're just really, really, really fucking tired and you don't understand the cards that you're pulling and you just feel like death is something the death card comes up for. It's just a contraction, reminding yourself, okay, like this is a contractive phase. This is a contraction. It's okay. It's okay to feel this way. It's okay to not feel like I have energy. It is okay that I'm having a hard time. Not to excuse it, not in toxic positivity, but just to be at, just say, I am here. This is where I'm at. Acknowledge it. Have reverence for it the same way that we have reverence with death. You have reverence for the situation because that expansion, when it hits you, that energy, that understanding, that oh my God, that I found something that like I can grasp onto again, like that, that is an expansion. The expansion, the knowledge you're learning, the healing that's happening. When you let let's let's even talk about death as a concept is like sleep, right? Um you're falling asleep, you're closing your eyes, you know, even with like again, like with my eye injury, it's one of those things where like I am waiting to go to bed or when you're really sick, you just sleep is the very best thing you can do for yourself because your body is not expending all of the extra energy to do all of the things that it takes to like be a person who's alive and doing things. Um when you sleep, your body is solely concentrated on healing and resting and recharging and sending blood to the places that blood needs to go so that you can have healing where the healing needs to happen. You don't, you are not conscious when you're sleeping. You're either dreaming or, but you're like, you're out of it. Your body is breathing. Your body is doing the things it needs to do to keep you alive. But you are not in charge of any of it. How nice is that? How nice is sleep? Whomst amongst us does not enjoy a good night's rest? And how is that not a contraction? It's us putting ourselves in a contraction so that we can heal. We can understand sleep and we say sleep good. So why do we fear death so much? Well, I think death as a concept, one, we are afraid of literal death. We are afraid of the unknown of literal death, how it's going to happen. Where do we go after it happens? When we take away and rationally, we know that in tarot, this card does not mean literal death. Why are we still afraid? It's because you're worried that it means it's the end of your relationship. You're getting fired. Something bad is going to happen. You're going to get really sick. But how many times do you pull this card and you don't break up with your partner or you don't lose your job or nothing bad happens at all? What does death mean? What does death mean at that point? Well, let's talk about a couple things here. So let's break down into the meat of this card, shall we? one i'm going to start off with another card in the major arcana here and let let's this is going to get kind of complex um but but hang with me we talked about the people that the 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 rider death is are underneath like the horse's hooves here now you know we've got the king the priest the child but then there's this person this person in a white gown with the floral wreath on their head, their eyes are closed. They're looking straight at us, almost as if they're breaking the fourth wall, but their eyes are closed and they're bearing their neck to death. That's the person in the strength card. That is literally the exact same outfit, exact same flowers. <clears throat> it's all the same thing happening in the strength card. It's the same exact person. They are on their knees, neck exposed, arms relaxed at their side, bearing their neck to death. Why? What is the importance of that? One, strength card is card eight in the major arcana. Eight is a number of transformation. Now, we also know that in the strength card above the um, person's head, who is like kind of like soothing and looking at the beast or the lion there, they have an infinity symbol above their head right? This is a person who has gone through a transformation because eights are a number of absolute transformation of something. Um, Strength card is also, when I talked about this, and we haven't done an episode on strength, I could be wrong. I did, of course, do like the most excruciatingly slow roll through every single episode I'd done to figure out what cards we still had left. But we haven't talked about strength yet, though I know that I've said maybe something along the lines of at one point in an episode, I can't remember, Um, The strength card talks about, um, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, I know that that is a, I believe that that is a psalm. I could be completely wrong. Um, Regardless, it is from the Bible. We know that Pamela Coleman Smith drew a lot from Christianity, Judaism, (coughs) and um, Kabbalistic um, practices and literature to kind of create this deck, right, as well as, I believe, Buddhism Pamela Coleman Smith was just a total badass. Okay. Very, very educated, honor shit, badass. In the strength card, what we are doing is we are meeting the beast. We are making the transformed decision to go through a transformative process. We're at the end of that transformative process. We are not dead. We are rebirthed. To be rebirthed, we have to die. To not get COVID, we have to get a shot. I don't like shots. In fact, I have a severe fear of needles. That's a contraction for me. That's a hard thing. To get to rebirth, we have to die, and we're we're just gonna like as I stated before earlier on in this episode, we're alive. We have to do the dying thing to get to the rebirth thing. If our goal is to get to the rebirth thing, we can't get to the rebirth thing, which is where we all want to be in any process in any cycle. We want to get to the rebirth, which is total understanding, and it's kind of that almost esoteric that that more esoteric way of living and being where we are both at one time grounded in our humanity and also our mind is better able to see beyond the veil and bring in divine knowledge and concepts. But we can't get to that point if we don't do the dying. And we're so afraid of the dying, even though the dying is the thing. It's the place where our body is reforged. It's the place where we are will reclose ourselves up enough that the actual transformation can take place. We have to get there, but to get there, we have to be okay with the dying and strength is the card where we get okay with the dying or yeah, we're afraid. And yeah, that's tough. And yeah, we don't know what's happening, but we have to, we kind of like sign that contract and strength where we come to the beast and we say, okay, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death. I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. And yeah, you're still afraid, but you're doing it anyway. You're you're walking those steps now. Again, 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 again. I cannot overstate this. We're not talking about literal death, but what we are doing is getting ourselves ready and preparing ourselves to die. The person in the strength card who starts the death line is there on their knees, neck exposed, peacefully waiting for death to take them because they know that they cannot do the rebirthing thing unless they do the dying thing. So they have fallen asleep they're not hoping that death doesn't happen they're they're not hoping that the contraction doesn't come they have allowed themselves to fall asleep to fall to death to be on their knees they are not bargaining like the priest they're not they have this child in front of them who's doing what they do they're they're sitting there without without i mean probably afraid but with acceptance just kind of like bending their neck out like, okay, let's do the dying thing so we can get to the rebirth thing. And again, this is not literal death. This is contraction. This is closing yourself up, being at the mercy of something because you know that the thing that the place you want to be, the rebirth you want, you you want the um, esoteric enlightenment that you desire is just on the other side of the death thing. we have to get through it we have to do it we have to go through a dying process of pretty much everything you know even the concept sarah jane talked about death as a card of like associated with kind of like this concept of like having a baby of birth and she's right we talked about matrescence i wanted a baby more than anything i decided to have a baby strength card we were so excited to have the baby but to have the baby and to become a mother i had to die that part of me that was not a mother had to die. It ha- I had to let go of it. I had to separate myself from it. Right? Here's another one. I am no contact with my mother because my mother is an incredibly abusive person. I had to go no contact with her so that I could live a freer, more enlightened, carefree existence because my mother was unhealthy. And I have to kind of be at the mercy of the fact that even though I would have loved to have had a mom... I don't have a mom, but now I get to be a mom. And that's, and that's a dying, that's a dying to rebirthing process. Reparenting yourself, that's dying to something and being rebirthed. The The whole concept of going go, no contact with a parent and then reparenting yourself is you dying to one thing and then being rebirthed in another. Let's talk about how death can come up. Let's talk about the most basic scenario, Okay. Let me see. What what basic scenario can I talk? So you are making a grocery list. We have to pay more attention to our prices. We have to pay more attention to the things that we're buying. We have a family, so someone's going to have to make sacrifices so that we can do more for our money. So we're going to pay more attention to... um we're going to not buy two ply. We'll get one ply toilet paper. We won't buy two rolls, at like two big bags of things at a time. We'll do one and make more trips to the grocery store. We'll buy um, food to freeze. You have essentially, like, you have come to the mercy, to your knees. You have seen the situation that is inflation that is creating this grocery list that is needing to still eat healthy, meaning that you're going to have to make sacrifices in areas. So you have died to one way of shopping and making your grocery list. To another way so that you can better provide for your family. So, you have gone through the death and rebirth process of even how you do your grocery shopping. That is a death. That is, it seems very basic, but the death card may come up in regards to budgeting. What do you actually need? What do you not? What can you literally live with and what can you live without? Death card. Another one may be something along the lines of wow, I'm like really unhappy in my job, um or I'm really unhappy at work. What what do I do about that? Should I quit my job? You pull the death card. It may not be saying you're getting fired, it may not be saying quit. It may be saying what can you live with and what can you not live with? Death. The death card is about carrying through a transformation of something. It is about Not bargaining it away. It's not about you can't avoid death. You can't get past it. We're all going to die to a thousand things. We're going to die to things every day. Every time Gabe and I get in a disagreement and one of us has to expand our knowledge of something, we die to ourselves a little bit. Every time one of us says, okay, I agree to do this differently, we die to ourselves in an old way of doing things. Death is not a bad thing because things are, every time I die to something and I am rebirthed into another thing, I am better off for it. I just have to be okay with the changing. My dad is terrified of change. He's terrified of the concept of death. If you just X'd out the word death and you just put transformative change, that would probably be a way better way of tricking your brain into not being afraid. Because we all understand fearing change. My dad is terrified of change. Even something as simple as having to wear my dad, who is a nurse, has worn scrubs as pajamas for as long as this man has been a nurse. The idea, my stepmom just told my dad, like just mentioned to him, hey, maybe you should stop wearing scrubs to bed. Maybe you should get pajama pants. My dad could literally not do it. The idea of changing what he'd done forever, like he could not die to himself, die to that change, be at the mercy of that change and do something new and that's ok. It's not going to it's not really going to change any aspect of his life, other than maybe it might be more comfortable or maybe it might feel nicer to wear a pair of fucking flannels than a pair of scrubs. You know, that it's that concept of we are more afraid of change. We are more afraid of being at the mercy of the situation because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how long it's going to take. We don't want something even worse to happen, and we're human. So our instincts are going to be to listen to that anxiety voice, and anxiety is there to keep us safe from things. But the death card does not mean literal death. And the death card does not mean something tragic is going to happen. In fact, the death card a lot of the time means that you've started the process of dying to something or something changing. Let's do that. We have started the process of total transformative change. We do that in the strength card. Now at death, we have to meet that and we have to be at the mercy of the thing that we already decided that we were going to start changing so that we can do the rebirth thing, the enlightenment thing after that. But we can't get there unless we do the dying thing. Now, the reason that we can say this, the reason that this, and I know this for a fact, I say that I know this for a fact, and the reason that I know this is I pull another fucking card out. Listen, I live my life by the 78, deck of, <laughs> 78 card deck. Um, but one of the things we can draw from this about death literally leading to a, more, to a better life, not literal death, although, you know, but like this metaphorical change, that transformative change pull out the Knight of Cups. And I've talked about this before, but let's pull out the Knight of Cups, okay? And let's look at the Knight of Cups and the Death card side by side. If you are doing that, if you are not driving, do not do this while you are driving. But if you are doing that, what you are looking at is almost the same card. Almost in the same exact fucking location too. Almost like either like the knight of cups just went a little bit farther and turned into the death card or the death card walked a little bit farther and turned into the knight of cups the horses are wearing the the are in the exact same pose they're both kind of a white horse uh they both have a rider on top the horse the horses in both the death card and the knight of cups are in the exact same pose um the difference is that the in the Knight of Cups the horse is wearing a lot cuz it's water obviously like the Knight of Cups is got like a little like their armor has fishies on it they're holding a cup um they are not a skeleton and they don't have dead things or or things waiting to die under their feet but they are a horse in the same exact form and, and position as the Death card horse and they're even walking over water Um, and they're holding up a cup instead of a instead of a flag flags a flag of rather than an emblem or a flag of surrender it's a it's a cup it's full of life we give up our earthly things in death we give we give back what is of the earth but what we gain back is enlightenment we kind of take this moment in death to learn like what is important is not the material things it's the things that we have inside of us it's this change it's how we think and how we are and how we love and the knight of cups is literally how we feel how we give love how we express love how we pursue what we love what we enjoy how we interpret our dreams how we dream how how we emote and how we feel not like feel about things but literally like that almost like subconscious how we feel how we do it that's the knight of cups Um, and when we talk about that in regards to death, if we could come to terms with our inside world, it would almost, we would go from seeing this death card as this skeleton riding a horse to maybe more of the Knight of Cups as someone who is just doing whatever they need to do to fill their cup up further. The death card is all about noticing that that cup that we're holding, that cup can't hold any more water. But who says we can't get a bigger cup? Is temperance not an angel pouring infinite water from two cups? They got a bigger fucking cup. They got more cups. Death is the limitations that we put on ourselves. That, that, is, that is the death line. We are moving past the limitations that we as humans have set for ourselves and we are moving towards something better. I realized that I literally just gave like a very, very, very long sermon on the death card. I'm going to point out one more thing here with the death card because it is very important and it is just jam-packed full of of symbols and imagery that's very, I think, just very important to our understanding as a whole. In the Bible, when we're t- in the book of Revelations, they talk about horses. They talk about one of the horses. It's like the end of the world. And they all have these scrolls and they open the scrolls and they come out on these horses. And one of the people, the, you know, the soldiers of or the knights of death is they come out on a very pale horse and... Uh, and death rides this horse, and it's plague and disease, and it kills everything it touches. And this is the horseman of death. Like that's what we're looking here at a biblical context on the death card. That's what Pamela Coleman Smith drew and depicted when she was talking about this card. It's essentially pestilence. Oh no, pestilence is one of is one of the four horsemen of death. This is death. Um, and they've come to th- when death how do I phrase this? When death comes to take you away, you can go in two ways. You can kick and you can fight and you can throw a big fucking fit and you can bargain with it. Or you can drop to your knees, bare your neck and say, okay, well, we we're finally here. By us being born, we will have to enter the strength card. We will have to walk the path that leads to death by us living every single day and making choices we will always have to walk that path too because just kind of the part of life is is things ending is things changing is things uh, um transforming or going through the uh, process of metamorphosis Like I talked about in the Hermit card, I talked about the Hermit card a few weeks ago about kind of like viewing the whole death line as like the journey of the very hungry caterpillar. (laughs) Um, but it's kind of true. Like in the in you know like you've gotten strength. The caterpillar is like ah, I'm getting this feeling, this feeling like I need to eat many things, this feeling like something, this tingly feeling that something is happening, and then you go into Hermit, and they're like I. Have decided that I need to build a cocoon, and put myself in it. I have decided that this is the choice I must make. Why I don't know, but I must. And then you enter the wheel of fortune, and the wheel of fortune is the process of that caterpillar turning into some other fucking goo. Because that's what happens to caterpillars inside a chrysalis. They turn into goo. They completely dissolve. They turn into goo. They are changing. They are evolving. And then you get into the hanged man and they are, they have knit themselves back together, but they're not quite ready to come out yet because they don't know what they are. But they know that they need to be in the chrysalis a little bit longer. They have not quite learned about themselves yet. So they're, they are choosing to stay and learn about what's happening and fully develop. And then in the death card, they have to get out of the chrysalis. And that must be really fucking weird. That your life, what you thought was your life, was the caterpillar part. You thought that was the life. And now you're in this cocoon and you just thought that, okay, now I live in this, now I live in the dark. Now I live in a cocoon. That's my life. But then, this, but then it's time to break free. And that must be scary. That must be scary to go from a very safe, soft, dark, warm place to having to break out and face whatever's on the other side of that wall. But they do it because they have to. And that and, and that breaking out and that being at the mercy of whatever is next, that's the dying. It's not the breaking out. That's the dying. It's the, okay, I guess I'm coming out of this now. I accept it. I'll do it. And they come out and they're not a caterpillar anymore and they have wings and they fly and they're reborn as this whole new thing. And that's the temperance right like that's the big moment like the death part of it is actually almost so insignificant you might not even see it if you don't really think about it the death part isn't them breaking out of the chrysalis it's it's the acceptance of of truly accepting okay it's time to break out of it i'm at the mercy of whatever is at the other side it is at you coming to your knees bowing as quickly as you can to the mystery of life itself and head charging into temperance you're only in the death part of it so for such a short amount of time, it might be considered a blink. Death and the way that it comes up for us is a moment where we transform. And that moment could be huge or that moment could be so small, we don't even realize it. And that's so funny because we pull this card and we get so scared. And really, it's just a blink. And we're in temperance and and we're in rebirth. So yeah, I hope that helps some of us if we pull the death card and we feel a little scared or we get a little triggered that I hope some of that breakdown was helpful. I hope it wasn't super convoluted. I had a lot to get through. My husband's going to look at this and be like, did you really fucking talk for an hour? And I'll be like, you missed the first 30 fucking minutes that I didn't record. All right. Well, as we all know, this is the part of the podcast where I come out and read you the very hungry (laughs) on saturday he ate i'm kidding um i will do that for you someday if you want me to because i love that fucking book but right now it's the collective reading and we are in the page of pentacles um page of pentacles obviously court cards are double elemented pages are earth pentacles are earth so you've got the page of pentacles and again once you enter the court cards you are you entered a state of mastery with the gift of the ace when you got to card 10 the court cards are just different ways of using that thing so the Page of Pentacles is kind of this nod and this encouragement to this coming week. It's about planting that seed. <laughs> it's about, listen, this is this is the specific thing that comes to my head, okay? This is the exact message I'm getting here. If you are the type of person who has a folder or a drawer of stickers, because you are so afraid of putting that sticker somewhere and no longer having that sticker to use at some point, you're just too afraid to make it permanent. Place the sticker. That's the message. Whatever that sticker metaphor is for you, you're you're so afraid to make something permanent. You're you're so afraid to go for it. You know, make the move, move in with that person, tell that person you love them, tell that person you would like to leave, uh, ask for a raise, say you're actually okay with what's happening, get a dog, like. If you're the person who keeps a bunch of stickers in their drawer, place the sticker. Let yourself experience what it feels like to make a choice where you don't know what's going to happen next, but to make the choice. Just make the fucking choice. Do it. See how it feels. Place the sticker. Okay. Um, I have to go break the news to my husband that this is an almost hour-long episode. Pray for me. Bye. Oh, hey, if you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, and review. It helps so much get the podcast out there. And thank you all for, thank you, just thank you to everyone. I love you very much. Bye.